God bless you. You may be seated. It is good to be here. Let me get my my life together here shortly. Uh, Lord have mercy. All right. I'm quite sure you're wondering. Are you sure, Pastor Jeff, where you got this guy from? But <laughs> uh, well, God bless you. Uh, we are just grateful to the presence of God in this place. Uh, uh, we really enjoyed ourselves this morning. Uh, I guess it's still morning. And my wife and I, we, when we go traveling, sometimes we, we, we say, when we walk into certain churches, is, is this a uh, B-O-Y-A church? And we say, what's a B-O-Y-A church? It's, we call it bring, B-Y-O-A, bring your own anointing. Because sometimes it can be so like, oh, this is going to be work. Uh, but that's not what I find here. The presence of the Lord is here. The worship team did a, a fantastic job and. Uh, just leading us into the presence of God. And it's the anointing that makes uh, preaching easy. Also want to give honor, uh, not simply to the presence of God, but also to those who are either in this building or online. And you are veterans of our uh, wonderful country, wonderful nation. Uh, my dad was a veteran of the Korean army, and so I value the value you highly. I'm not sure if I miss uh, any veterans in here. God, God bless you. God, can we give them a hand? And those who are online, God bless you. Thank you so much for your service. We really appreciate that. And uh, we're just so grateful to be with your pastor, Jeff, and Pastor Debbie. Uh, they are such gracious. Man, just, just, you, you guys, um, hope you know how blessed you are because I've seen bad pastors and you all have, you all have a good one. This just, uh, God bless you, Pastor Jeff. I, I know he hates, I know he hates this stuff, but, um, but uh, the real thing that, uh, and if you know your pastor, uh, he, he actually has stocked my entire library at church, so. I don't have to buy any books. Uh, every time he meets, he gives me a book. And uh, he's just a wonderful man of God. And uh, getting to know uh, uh, Pastor Debbie even more and admiring uh, you and, and Jeremy, Pastor Jeremy, who we see each other at the, at the uh, pastor's retreat. I believe that he and his wife are the, probably the most athletic pastors I know. Uh, every time... I see him just as I'm about to eat a cupcake. I look at Jeremy and say, I can't do this one. <laughs> ah, so it, it, it's just really an honor. And of course, um, only so I can go back to the hotel in one piece. My wife is here. We're just grateful. You'll get that later. Um, we're just grateful for her. We have been married for, we're going on 38 years of marriage. Could you stand up? Let them see you in your fine self. Lord have mercy. Uh, <laughs> but I did, uh, we, we actually had an arranged marriage when she was two years old. I married her, and I just had a, 
allow her to grow into uh, full stature in the Lord. <laughs> uh, so uh, I, I need I need two volunteers. I actually just need one because I hardly have one, and um, one a teenager. If I can get one. Oh, is that hand up? Okay, great. So I don't need you right now. What's your name? Elena. Okay, so I have Elena. And I have Claire. Which where, where's Claire? Claire. Okay, yeah. So I have you two, and I'm going to be using you later. This is quite quite ironic because in the morning, the early service, I had two guys, and now I have um, two young ladies. And uh, and uh, this can be worth your while because I believe it pays to go to church. And so when I usually use teenagers or younger people, I I usually give them uh, money <laughs> or, or something of that sort and so so it, so I make it I make it I make it worth your while uh, I'm not paying your college tuition or anything just you know, this, is, this is I'm a preacher just 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 a little bit uh, so uh, Proverbs chapter 3 verse 5 and 6. In Acts chapter 27, verse 9 and 12. And I think this sermon might be packaged a little differently than the earlier one. Because um, I really want to really encourage young people. And you may say, who are young people? Young people are any person who's younger than me. I, I, I turn, yeah, I turn, my goodness, I'm an old guy. I turn 62 in a, in a couple of months. And so anybody who's younger than that is considered a young person, okay? So we, <laughs> some people are like, yes, yes, <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> uh, but I want to I wanna speak especially to, you know, I guess not putting labels on you, but just giving you a category, especially millennials and Gen Z. Uh, I want to speak to you because um, this has been a, really tough year and I, I was prophesying to my young people because Time Magazine had a cover on their, their periodical and it was around the month of May and it called, it called millennials, which is, I guess if you want to stretch it, anybody born after 1980 and Gen Z, which is anybody born know, around, I think it's now 1995-ish, 1996, they called you all uh, Generation Pandemic. And so I told my young people, I am not going to allow you to accept that title. The Bible says in Proverbs 18, verse 21, that death and life are in the power of the tongue. And so I, I want to speak a word of life into you to let you know that if anything, God is going to prove to the world that no pandemic, whether it be COVID-19 or racial or anything, can stop, can stay, can hinder the hand of God from his purpose in your life. Yeah. Yeah. Now, one of the things, I'm a crazy preacher, so, you know, you just bear with me. You only have to bear with me for another three hours. and No, 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 three hours. But you only have to be with me a little while, and then you can say to Pastor Jeff, uh, you know, 
Don't bring that guy back here again. But my point is this, is that, is that so I do some unorthodox things like, for example, if the Lord drops a point in my heart and I'm like, man, that was good. I don't just say like, that was, that was good, Lord. No, what I would do, I'll come down here and I'll say to my wife, that was a bad word. And I'll slap a five in there. And, that, and so now, my, na- my church knows that. So when I walk to young people, old people, old people, you slap across the face, slap us with a five, say that was a good word. So you may, you may see me do that. I haven't lost my mind. It's just me enjoying what the Lord is doing. Because I'm listening just as you are. Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6. 5 by the Passion Translation. Trust in the Lord completely and do not rely on your own opinions. With all your heart, rely on him to guide you. And he will lead you in every decision that you make. Verse 6, King James Version. In all your ways acknowledge, that is perceive him, and he will direct your path. Acts chapter 27, verses 9 to 12, New Living Translation. The weather was becoming dangerous for sea travel because it was so late in the fall. And Paul spoke to the ship's officers about it. Men, he said, I believe there is trouble if we go on shipwreck, loss of cargo, and danger to our lives as well. Verse 11, but the, but the officer in charge of the prisoners listened more to the ship's captain and the owner than to the apostle Paul. Verse 12, and since Fairhavens was a poor place to spend winter, most of the crew wanted to go to Phoenix, Arizona and spend the winter there. Yeah, it's Phoenix is actually in the Bible. I didn't put that there. Phoenix. They wanted to spend the winter there instead of where they were. The, the title of my sermon is Winter is coming, now we really have to trust God. Winter is coming, now we really have to trust God. Now, I, I don't watch, many probably already are familiar with the fact that uh, this is a term from the, from the uh, TV uh, program series Game of Thrones. I don't watch Game of Thrones, but, I, but I, when I heard this term, winter is coming, I knew one thing, though I don't watch Game of Thrones, I know that this is bad. Winter is coming. And I want to speak a word prophetically to you, but I also want to speak a word of hope. And so let's bow our heads. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I bow the words of the Apostle Paul in Corinthians chapter 2. Verse 4, I pray that my speech and my preaching will not be the enticing words of man's wisdom, but demonstration of spirit of power that our faith will not rest in the wisdom of Brian Greene, but in the power of God. I borrow his words in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 16 and 17 and 18. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, will give all of us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in you. Let the eyes of the understanding of our heart be enlightened so that we would know, so that we would know the hope of your calling, what are the riches of the glory of your inheritance that you have in each and every one of us who are your saints. I ask that we would know the exceeding greatness of your power towards us 
who believe it's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. And finally, Lord, I borrow the words of the writer of Hebrews chapter 2, verse 4, that you will bear witness both with signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to your will. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Amen. So uh, when, when we hear this word trust in the Lord, uh, this word trust is the Hebrew word batak, and it means to hide, H-I-E, for refuge. This word hide, it means to hurry for refuge, to be speedy for refuge, to expedite for refuge in the Lord, um, to be confident, trust in the Lord, to be confident in the Lord, to be secure in the Lord, to be sure in the Lord. But what struck me about this Hebrew word is it says to be careless in the Lord, to be careless, to care less. I could care less in the, I could care less in the Lord. What do you mean? For, uh, Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, Paul, Apostle Paul says, says, the Apostle Paul says, be careful for nothing. Be full of care for nothing, but by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Isn't it amazing that we forget the thanksgiving part? We will pray, but he said, with thanksgiving, make your request be made known unto God, and the peace of God, the shalom of God, will guard your heart, that is your emotions, your attitude, and guard your mind in Christ Jesus. You need to understand that God wants to give us such a peace that when trouble and anxiety tries to barge into our mind and our emotions, peace of God guides and says, you, there's no entry into here. I believe that we're entering a season that many of us will look for worry and can't find it. I believe we're entering a season of, of, of such uh, uh, challenge that that you're almost going to feel guilty for not being worried. But you're going to know that because you trust in the Lord, you are, you have less care, care less. You have less care in the Lord. Well, where did that care go? First Peter chapter 5. I took it and I cast all my care, all my anxieties on the Lord because he cares for us. Now, I, I, want to, I want to really, especially you young folks, I, I want to re- really get, hit you with this. There are no online courses for swimming. You, you, you'll get that. You'll get that. I know maybe you didn't have your coffee quite yet, that, but, but there are no online courses for swimming. There, there are no video swimming days, swimming games. In other words, I don't care if you have the, you know, the, the, the 3D camera and you're, and, and you're in one. Yeah, it may look like you're swimming, but all you're doing is waving your arms. There's, there's no online. The only way to swim is to be thrown in the water and swim. Okay. And my point is there are no online courses for faith. Well, you don't understand. I listen to 
I listen to Kenneth Hagen and Kenneth Copeland, and I got all, huh, I got all of the recordings and all the books on faith, but do you faith? What do you mean? The, the just shall live by faith. Do you, do you live by faith? Do, do you actually see faith really work? Because James says it in James chapter 2, verse 20 and 26, says, faith without works is dead. Don't give me a nice, a nice lesson on faith. Let me see you faith it. Well, how does faith work? I'll tell you how. Many people say when Peter, when Peter stepped out of the boat, he walked on water. Anybody know that story? Raise your hand if you know that story. Seeing that I can't see your faces, like if you're smiling, did I get it? Or you're like, oh, okay. But <laughs> Peter, watch this now. Peter did not walk on water. He walked on the word come. He said, Jesus, if that's you out there, tell me to come. He didn't say, Jesus, if that's you out there, I'll walk on water. And Jesus said, come. And he walked on the word come. That's faith. When God speaks to you, can you walk out on that word when everything else says you're crazy? And so my whole point is to help you understand that the way trust works, the process of trust is that we get a revelation, but then we encounter an observation, then we encounter an explanation, and then God has to bring us back to the revelation, which is really a confirmation. Now that sounds deep, because I just wanted to sound deep. But anyways, so that this is how the process works. You're going to get a revelation, and then all of a sudden you're going to experience an observation, and all of a sudden you're going to experience an explanation, and then you'll have to get a revelation again, which is really a confirmation of the first word you got. Because the observation, the purpose of the observation is to destroy your faith. The purpose of the explanation is to destroy your trust. Now you may say, what's the difference between trust and faith? Faith is the what? No, 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 no. Oh, we all agree. Wow. That wasn't a question. That was just me <laughs> saying actually what? <laughs> I said faith is the what, and you thought it was a question. No, I was just saying what. Okay. So, so, but... Yeah, you're right. Faith is the, you got the right scripture. But, but faith is the what, meaning that I have faith that, I'll just use some instance, that I'm going to get a new car. So what is the thing that I have faith in? This is not a deep question. It's the car, right? The car is the what, okay? Trust deals with how. So... I'm going to get the car, which is the what, but how am I going to get it? Let me get another example. We were 
we know we this is the first time that we traveled outside of the state of Massachusetts since March. And and so when we so there's a number of ways you could get to New York. You can walk, which I don't advocate. <laughs> you can bike. You can take a train. You can take a plane. You can take a boat. Uh, so the, the what was Rome, New York. The trust is how was I was going to get here. And my point is, is that some of us, we know what God wants to do, but it's the trust in how are you going to do it. And that's where we get tripped up. So we're going to use Paul as a case study of what trust looks like. So here's the picture. Uh, is everybody track with me so far? So here's the picture. So you have, you have Paul as a case study. And the re reason why we look, use Paul because the word Paul, Paul, we know that his name was Saul, but then it was changed to Paul. And, and part of that was because Paul was changing his ministry from just dealing with uh, the Jewish people to Gentiles. But the other thing is I think God was saying something very powerful in Paul's uh, um, life because Paul is, the par probably, Paul is probably the greatest teacher in the scripture on the grace of God. And uh, I want to encourage you to understand grace because there's two kinds of grace. Are you track me? There's two kinds of grace. There is what I call successful grace. We call it favor. That's with that's when you know we say things like, "No, wait, how did?" And I'm just using it. How did you get that car when it cost so much? Well, it was the grace of God. What we're saying is that we had favor. I call that successful grace. Uh, that's that's when God does something that it's unexplainable. And, and nobody can get the credit but God, and you know that's the favor of God. So that, that's successful grace. Paul says it in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10, and we know that Paul, I mean, he was killing Christians. So, so he knew, he, he would say, I'm the very least of all the apostles. But then he says, he says, he says I, am, I, am, I am who I am by the grace of God. And he says, and God's grace was not wasted on me, Watch this. He says, and that's why I accomplished more. You can read it for yourself. That's why I accomplished more than all the apostles. Then he caught himself. He said, whoa, 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 not me, but the grace that was working in me. So he realized that to do all he did was because of the grace of God, the successful grace of God, the favor of God. But then there's another grace that we don't consider, and I call it the sustaining grace of God. I call that the ability to fight. And, and so often what happens many times is that there are people who have held, who have held on to God through incredible testings, incredible, like, like they would say, you, you look at them and say, man, if that, if that happened to me, I, I, I would just give up on life. And yet the person keeps holding on. I call that the sustaining grace of God. I call that what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, when he says, Satan attacked me uh, with, a th with a thorn in my flesh. And we don't know what it is, but it must have been pretty bad. And, he said, and, and you know how much Paul went through. And yet Paul said, three times I sought the Lord, take this away. And God said, no, I'm not taking it away. My grace is sufficient for you because my power is made perfect in weakness. In other words, I'm going to sustain you 
through this. And my point is that many times we take credit for things, for going through things that God gave us the strength to go through. And so we look at somebody and say, man, you're just weeping over that. Let me tell you what I went through. And we, and we, we have this, we have this, you know, my trial's bigger than yours. And, and, and God is like, no, no, no. You, if it wasn't for me sustaining you, you would have thrown in the towel years ago. So even when you're going through stuff, because you held on, you need to give God glory and praise for that because he put in you sustaining grace. Is this making sense? And therefore, with humility, when we see people going through stuff, we know how we threw in the towel for far less. So we say, you know what? We weep with those who weep. So Paul, why am I saying all this? Because the name Paul means small. And what I believe what Paul was saying, not simply because he was short, I think he was also saying, I am little in my own eyes. In other words, he said, he's basically saying, I am humbling myself. The word humility in our English definitely simply means this. It means to be aware of your shortcomings. And so what we're saying is that Paul is saying, I'm going to remain humble. Why? Because he knows, James chapter 4, verse 6 to 10, that God resists the proud, but he gives what? Grace to the humble. The more humble we are, the more grace that God gives us. Because why? Because God, God does all things to the praise, listen to this, to the praise and the glory of his grace. In other words, what God is saying is that I want people to look at your lives and say the only way they could do or be who they are is because of the grace of God. The only explanation is the grace of God. We own two churches and we're the only congregation that has two churches in Cambridge. And you may say, well, okay, what, but the, the, what, what's so in amazing about that is that Cambridge... Um, it has been, there's a study done, and it said Cambridge has the most million-dollar homes per capita for cities over 100,000 in the country. Twice as many as San Francisco. Like, like, like I showed them, a, 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 like, a, like, a, like a really two-family, I call it a hoarder's house. Because <laughs> I went to, we were we're thinking about buying a house next to our church. It's a two-family house. And I went in there. It was scary. It was spooky. It was Halloween. Like cans all over the place. And, and someone bought that house, that two-family house, as is. Didn't ask them to fix up anything for $950,000 with the intention of gutting it. People buy houses in Cambridge now, and they will pay a million dollars, and they'll say, I just want the land. I'm just going to wipe out the building and build my own thing. And so for us to have two churches, it, it is just a miracle. It, it is the grace of God. So people are like, you have two churches in Cambridge? And yeah, it's, it's the grace of God. But we got our church, watch this, through Revelation. And I'll tell you that about that a little bit later. So you have Paul saying, I have a revelation. We should not leave here. 
There's the observation. Because Paul is about to be sent to um, Rome, Italy, to stand before Caesar. And he is a prisoner. And he says to the centurion, who's supposed to escort him and other prisoners, but they knew that Paul, Paul was, Paul had a little bit more freedom because they knew he wasn't really, he wasn't really guilty. As a matter of fact, if you read the chapter before this, uh, Felix, I believe, says, man, if this guy didn't make an appeal to Caesar, we could set him free. That's how, that's how innocent they knew Paul was. But once Paul says, I'm a Roman citizen and I demand to stand before Caesar, they're like, okay, we, we, can't, we can't reverse that. That's the only reason he was being so low. So my point is that Paul was a prisoner, but he was, he was a trusted prisoner. So he goes up to the, the um, sorry, I keep forgetting the, 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 the distance thing, you know. <laughs> like, no, 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 I don't want to get sick. <laughs> so he, he, he goes up to the prison guard and he says, we shouldn't leave. Now, prison guard, observation is, hmm, you're a teacher. You're a rabbi. I heard that your day job is building tents. He's a sailor. He's a captain of a ship. In fact, he owns the ship. He says, we should sail. Do you have a ship, Paul? D maybe you went to the Naval Academy. We don't know about this. And to use it in street vernacular, the centurion said, yo, stay in your lane. <laughs> I mean, who are you going to believe? Of course you're going to believe the captain of the ship. And so observation, they went and they started to sail out to leave the place they were, were in. And my point is, is that, oh my God, my point is, is that, that our observation, our observation can have an impact, a negative impact on our ability to have faith in God. What do you mean? Let me tell you, let me show you some of the things that you, let me, let me fast forward quickly. So, for example, Zechariah, as we're going into the Christmas season, eventually, uh, Zechariah in, Zach, in Luke chapter 1, verse 18, angel comes to him, Gabriel, and says, hey, Zechariah, you're going to have a child, you and your wife, Lizzie. And he says, wait a minute, do you understand that we are senior citizens? We're not, we're like, like, like that ship has passed. Have... Gabriel, can you not observe that we are beyond that age? And, and, and Gabriel basically says, you know what, dude? I, I gave you a word, and, and, and I need you to, to, to stand on your confession of faith. But seeing that you keep speaking negatively against what I told you, I'm going to have to keep your mouth shut. Because death and life are in the power of the town. Luke, uh, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. And my point is, but my point is, my point is, is that too many of us are living our lives by observation instead of revelation. What do you mean? Let me tell you some of the things you're observing. Uh, if you have that next screen. Okay, good. Thank you. See, 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 in my church, I now complain about people who have what I call Fox News, CNN, and MSNBC prayers. 
Mm. TikTok prayers, Instagram prayers, even ESPN prayers, Twitter prayers. Faith. You say, well, what, is, what, what, what are you talking about? Let me, let me give you an instance of a, of a um, I'll, I'll give you an instance of a Facebook prayer. No, I'll give you an instance of a CNN prayer. So a CNN prayer is this. You're sitting down and you're watching CNN, and all of a sudden, you see, you know, um, you see a, you hear a report that 300, no, 3 million people just lost their job. And so now you're worried about your job loss. And so you come to church for prayer, or you go on the Zoom line, or however you have prayer, and the prayer leader had a revelation from God as to how we should have our, what we should pray for, but you barged in and saying, we need to pray for the economy that we don't lose our jobs. Come on, folks, let's pray. And like, well, well who told you to pray about that? Well, I heard it on CNN. Well, well CNN ain't God. TikTok prayer, <laughs> Facebook, Twitter prayer. Like, like we look at what happens on media and, that, and, and whatever messes with our emotions. <laughs> Someone writes something negative uh, 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 about us on Facebook or Instagram, and now we go to God, I'm being persecuted. Tasha doesn't like me. Robert doesn't like me. Everybody hates me. And God's like, well, where did you get that? Instagram. Oh, it's quiet in this word, church. Because our prayers are based on observation. Instead of getting a revelation from the Lord. I'm not saying to, you know, go dark and not, you know, I mean, it's amazing. I, this is an aside. I'm going down a rabbit hole because I just want to have fun with you. Isn't it amazing how, this might, let me, let me say it this way and then hit you in the eyes. I am from Massachusetts. And I was once a New England Patriot fan, football fan, when they had a football team. Uh, 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 yes, I have jump shipped in the name of the Lord. Uh, and, and, and so, now we get to, we, you know, we've been to nine Super Bowls. And I remember finding myself praying, let Tom Brady make a good pass. God, help us to win. And I remember the Holy Spirit saying, well, there are believers who have a team in the Super Bowl also. And they're praying too. So if you were me, Brian, which one should I answer? Am I, is God, in, uh, is God in heaven saying, okay, Gabriel, Michael, tell me, how many people are fasting for the Patriots? 
And how many people are fasting for, you know, the Los Angeles Rams? Okay, what, oh, they, they all have fasts. Okay, who has the longer prayer service? <laughs> Which one's faster? Like, like, do you think God is really... Mm, I'm going I'm to step a little more because this is my last sermon. And, yeah, but, and then, and then, and then <laughs> I'm going to just gonna look at the clock and, and, and the camera. And then this presidential election. <laughs> where they've been showing some preachers praying hard in the name of Jesus, pro- prophesying about who's going to win. And, 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 God is God. Ooh, I, I felt the chill in the air. God is not a Democrat, and he's not a Republican. He's God. Read your Bible. That's the problem. See, you need to read your Bible. Joshua is about to go and conquer Jericho. He sees a man drawn with a sword who actually is Jesus Christ. Joshua says, Whose side are you on, dude? And the angel said, no, dude, whose side are you on? That's, right. <laughs> That's the question. Ain't no question. I, I am, I, mm, I am not on anybody's side. I am the side. You'll get that later. You need to get on the Lord's side. Oh, it's quiet in here. But that's all right. That's all right. Oh, America's going to hell because now Joe Biden is the president. Oh, America was in hell. Oh, because Trump was in hell. Let me tell you something. All them dudes are just pawns in the purpose of God. Because winter's coming anyways. Their explanation for not spending time in where they were is because winter's coming and we need to go. We need to get out of here and spend winter, spend our winter in Phoenix. Because the word Phoenix means land of the palm trees. So we don't want to spend winter in Phoenix. Let's go. Let's go to Arizona where it's warm. Let's go to the Bahamas. Let's go to the Caribbean. But let's not stay here because this, it makes no sense to stay here in winter. And that's the problem. We allow people to explain us out of what God told us. Let me give you a couple examples and then we'll end with this revelation thing. Moses, why are you choosing me, God? God God chooses Moses in chapter 3 and 4. Moses is explaining to God why God should not use him. We have Mary explaining to God, how am I going to, how am I, how am I going to, how am I going to produce a child when I never had a man? Explain that to me. And thank God that Mary Settle for God's explanation because God made her explanation in three words, the Holy Spirit. The who who's going to speak to you is the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm going to get into this point today. So, we have this storm going on. I just, I just want to 
run th- quickly because I want to share a story with you that I hope will encourage you. The storm is raging now. Paul, for three days, it gets so bad that even the professionals saying we are going to die. Paul rises up with another revelation, which is now a confirmation on what God originally told him. He said, dudes, you, he didn't say dudes, this is the urban translation. He said, dudes, you all shouldn't have left. I told you shouldn't have left, but he said, in the middle of the night, an angel from the Lord who I serve told me that nobody's going to die except for the ship will be destroyed. And he says, and I believe God that it will be just as he told me. So he got a revelation after three days. Are you hearing me? A revelation after three days. However, the, st- mm, the storm still lasted another 11 days. Sometimes you'll get a word and the storm will still last because the storm is trying to get you to react to what it's showing you so that you will let go of the word that God gave you. God told you you're going to get a house and all of a sudden the economy drops, you lose your job, and the devil wants to get you to agree with him. But you have to stand on what the God, God showed you and revelate it revealed to you because the revelation of the word of God is the truth. The Bible says in John chapter 16, verse 13, I ran uh, too fast with that on Revelation. John chapter 16, verse 13, it says, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. He shall not speak of himself, this is the Holy Spirit, but he will speak those things, those things which he hear, he shall speak and he will show you things to come. The Holy Spirit will show you things to come. He is the spirit of truth. And, and, and he is saying to you what he heard from God because Numbers 23 verse 19 says what? God is not a man that he should lie. He's not even the son of man that he should change his mind. If he said it, he'll do it. If he speaks it, he will make it good. So you need to hold on. I need to hold on to the word that God gave me because he will bring it to pass. He will bring it to pass. In fact, Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 12 says, God says, my word will I hasten to perform it. The issue is not, the issue is not what will happen. The issue, all I have to concentrate on, did I hear from God? Did I hear from God? Now let me show you how revelation works. Because what revelation is, is this, is God giving you, God giving you a glimpse of what's in the invisible realm. Are you with me? But what is in the invisible realm is just as real, if not more, than what you see. Let me give you, I'm not a deep guy, let me give you a perfect example. Most of you, most of all of us, most of us don't even know what a coronavirus looks like. But we've seen these pictures of what the virus looks like because people have microscopes are you following me? That allows them to see what the virus looks like. Are you following me? And so, though I cannot, and my father passed away from corona, and, and my point is this year, and my point is this, is that though I can't see what the virus looks like, its effects is real. That's why you all are wearing masks. That's why we're you know, practicing, we're doing all this, mm, we're doing all this for something we can't even see. Now, what if 
God showed you things about who you are, and though you can't see it, you act like you are who God already said you are. You need to listen to this again. So while everybody freaks out, ah, ah, why aren't you reacting? You're like, because I've already seen a revelation of the truth of God. And you may be going down with the ship, but I'm not because God said, I shall live and not die. And, Paul, and, jo- and David said it this way, uh, I shall live, I, I shall not die, but live. And I'm not simply going to live. I'm going to declare the goodness of the Lord. So this is, this is what the word revelation means. And the word revelation, the word revelation is made up of two Latin words. Uh, give me two minutes. No, give me eight. No, give me half an hour and I'll be done. Okay. Revelation. It, it is, it is re-veil-ation. Re-veil-ation. Now, the Asian part's the, the tough part because that word Asian means the process so God's revelation is not magic. It is, it is a process. Re means back or again. So, for example, when you're looking at a game and you say, could you replay it? You're saying, play it back. Is this making sense? And so, revelation, the word vol is veil. So, revelation is to pull the veil back. Are you following me? Now, why do you need the veil to be pulled back? Because right now, um, sorry, your name again? Elena. Elena. Okay. Elena and Claire, where are you, Claire, again? Thank you, Claire. Okay, so you're going to have to scream out real loud, so not scream, but, well, loud enough so that I can hear. So, so here's the test for everybody. Let me ask some guesses. What do you think is under this veil? Huh? A rabbit. Okay, a rabbit. Anybody else? Bread. Anybody else? Word of God. Woo, word of God. Shando. Yep. Anybody else? Now, would you not say, well, of course, Elena. Elena? Yeah, okay. I'm bad with names. Elena, so what do you think is under there? Probably uh, a Bible. Okay, so, so everybody's guessing. Everybody's guessing. Everybody's guessing. So, Claire, do you know what's under there? Yes, you do. Because I just handed it to you. All right. So, now the question is, do you know what's under there? <laughs> I just handed it to you. I, I thought I did. Huh? Is it? Yeah. Yeah, I handed it to you. In other words, I gave her a revelation of what was in there. Now, what did you say? Okay, very good. I'll tell you. You may not have heard it, but so what's under here, are you ready? Drum roll. Okay. 
Connery is a box, right? Right? No. What did you say is under here? She said a card. A card. What do you mean a card? A gift card to Dunkin' Donuts. You have one up here, cause right? Yeah, because I Googled to make sure. <laughs> so here's a gift card. Okay. So my, my what's the point? My point is, is that you all were guessing, but Claire already had the revelation of what was in here. So she didn't have to react to every whim. Now you may say, well, it wasn't really a gift card. It was a box. Okay. How you like this one? Um, is he your husband? Okay. You, you <laughs> wow, there's a little bit of hesitancy in there. <laughs> Have faith. <laughs> so, 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 this is my point. Watch this now. So, last month, 38 years ago, I went to this woman, and I brought her. I brought her a box. And when I opened the box, what do you think was in the box, my brother? Engagement ring. Now, what's my point? Do you think she went to her girlfriends and said, Brian gave me a box? All the box was a covering for what the real thing is. And, mm, and you have to stay long enough. I'm preaching better than you're responding. <laughs> you have to wait till the hand of God opens the box so that you can see what he really has for you. And too many of us are reacting to the box as opposed to the things that God has in store. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 through 16, 20, 16. The things that God has in store. Now let me end with this story that will bless you. Let me see how much time I have left. Yeah. Oh, I know. This only took four minutes. had a teenager dying in my church, and um, he was graduating, and he, he wanted to go to Northeastern University. Um, some of you all, well, Jeff, you should be familiar with Northeastern because they're part of the Bean Pot. Um, it's a really expensive school. $60,000 a year. Okay. Watch this. He goes to his guidance counselor. The guidance counselor says to him, Jeff, come here, Jeff. First of all, not only do you not have the grades to get into this school, but nobody from our school has ever gotten into this school. So, Observation, expert, so forget it. So he 
So, of course, he did a dangerous thing and came to his pastor at 6 o'clock prayer. And I said, Jeffrey, this is what I want you to do. I said, do you want to go to that school? He said, yeah, I don't want to go to school, but my con I said, I'm your pastor. This is what I want you to do. See, that's what I said. You can't fake faith. I said, I want you to take your backpack, and I want you to walk around that campus like you're a student. And he looked at me and said, dude, look, they're not, they're, they're not like taking IDs to see who just, just, so he walked around the campus. See, I like what Tudor Bismarck said. He said this. He says, God is not looking for you to understand. He's looking for you to obey. So I was like, Jeffrey, what do you have to lose? The worst that can happen is that you don't get in. So he walked around with his duffel bag, not his backpack. About a month later, he came and he said, Bishop, you're not going to believe this. I got into Northeastern. And I was like, all right. He said, no, 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 no. It even gets crazier. Not only did I get into Northeastern, but they gave me a scholarship. Oh, hold this thought. See, 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 Paul says in Ephesians chapter 3, now unto him who can do what? Exceedingly, abundantly, above all things. Cost $60,000 to go to that school. Guess how much they gave him for a scholarship every year? Hmm? For, they gave him a scholarship of $62,000. I said, I said, Jeffrey, they're paying you to go to a school that your guidance counselor said you couldn't get into. That's the kind of God we serve. Oh, it gets better. It gets better. So Jeffrey gets his degree in media. So now fast forward five years, and, you know, we have a worship team, and I've been pastoring for 25 years. I have never hired a non, <laughs> I'm a fall of entry, no, I mean, my angels will catch me. <laughs> I've never hired, everybody I've hired for our music director could play an instrument. They, they, they're musicians. For some reason, God told me, this time hire a media guy. And so I hired Jeffrey. God is <laughs> We hired Jeffrey December of last year, a media person, because God knew that we would not be able to be in church. And so our media just went, we were ready for this because God said, you're gonna need this guy who you told as a teenager. <laughs> See, God's a mastermind. Yes. 
and you have no idea how God is planning your lives, children. You don't have no idea who you're bumping into. And God, that's why you got to walk by revelation. And so now he, now he's like, he's like, Bishop, we used to look at other churches. How now, basically, people are asking us how we, because, because God was able to foresee this pandemic before we even got here. Yeah. And so I want to encourage you. Encourage you to spend time in the presence of God. Because God's going to use you to prove to the world that He has great plans for you. I want to encourage you, young people, do not listen to the naysayers who are trying to tell you what they observed. I'm not saying don't listen to good advice, but God wants to speak to you as young people too. My daughter graduated from seminary debt-free. Debt-free. Because she did some things that God told her to do. And she graduated from seminary debt-free. My point is God's going to prove something. He's going to prove something to this church. He's going to prove something to you as his people. So I want to bless you. I know I've been long. Thank you for your patience. But I'm trusting that as winter gets more challenging, you're going to remember, okay, God, I need a revelation for this moment. I need you to show me your plan for this moment. There's a lot of information. There's a lot of observation, a lot of explanations, but there is a word from him. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Mm, thank you, Holy Spirit. If, if this word has has hit you in such a way that you're saying, God, I need, I need to live a life of what I call constant download of revelation. I, I need to see what you're doing so I'm not always reacting to what media and people around me. I, I need to see what you're up to. If that's you and you're saying, Bishop, I just want to be included in this final prayer. I want you to put your hands out with palms facing up. Because James chapter 1 verse 17 says, every good gift and perfect thing comes from above. And you're saying, God, I, I, I want to see. I want to see. Because I really believe that this is going to be the church's greatest hour. Yes. If we can see. I spoke, I, I spoke a prophetic word over our church and said, this is going to be the season where God is going to bless his people in such ridiculous way that he's going to say, it's going to be like the Egyptians where, where the plague was hitting Egypt, but over in Goshen where the, where the people of God were, That's nothing right. was happening. I ha you can ask my wife, I have not heard of a season where more people are getting promotions in our church. They're getting uh, this just ridiculous stuff happening because God is saying, I'm going to show the world that when you walk in the kingdom instead of the United States, that you are on a different plane. You see, you need to understand that, mm, that, that the United States runs by the dollar, the, the United Kingdom runs by the pound, 
the, the Japanese, the, the nation of Japan runs by the yen, the nation of Germany runs by the mark, but the kingdom runs by faith. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you, I know you love your people. You have not wasted our coming here by just people saying that was a good word. But, Lord, I want to hear of young people. I want to hear of people saying, I spent more time in the presence of God. I, I spent more time in his word. And he, he, Holy Spirit, downloaded something in my spirit that I am so sure of that no, no, no observation, no explanation can cause me to be shaken by what God has shown me. I am doing what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7. I am walking by faith and not by sight. And though my, ah, though my circumcisions are screaming in my ear that things are horrible, I am saying that this is God's greatest hour in my life because I walk with a God who is independent of circumstances. And in fact, I am so sure that I know that all things are working together for good because I love God and because I'm called according to his purpose. So Father, I pray that months or years later, I'm hearing testimonies that, you know what? Ever since I've been walking in this space of revelation where I said, God, show me. God, open my eyes. Go, God, let me see what, what you're doing. Let me, let me get a glimpse of what's happening behind me. Ever since I've done that, God has been showing me things, and I'm no longer reacting. But I'm actually giving declarations and decrees. This is what the Lord says. So we honor you for what you're doing. Bear fruit in this word that I'm giving. In Jesus' name, amen.